I want to take a few moments this, this evening to talk about a subject that many of us, it's truly what's holding us back. I really believe we struggle with things, we fight with things, and we justify things, and we don't seem to ever get ahead in our walk with God. It seems like we're always spinning our wheels. It feels like we're always on ice. All four wheels, even if you got four-wheel drive, just spinning and going crazy, and you're moving nowhere. You're wondering if this faith thing really works. Some of you tonight are hanging on by a thread. You're hanging on by a thread to your faith because you're saying, God, I don't know if this is working because everything I keep trying just doesn't seem to work for me. Well, I want to give you some encouragement tonight, and I'm going to challenge you tonight. Because as I wrote this message, it challenged me a ton. The name of my message tonight is actually Customized Christianity. We've customized what we like and what we don't like out of the Bible. We take the good stuff, the grace, and forget the judgment stuff for our sins. We've customized Christianity to fit our desires and our needs. And nowhere in the Bible does it say to do that. And this is why I said this challenged me. In a, in a song I was listening to, he basically makes a statement of this faith walk isn't a cakewalk. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's not an easy thing. It takes surrender. It takes submission. It takes work. It takes the willing to fight for what you know is true. We take Jesus and love his grace, but forget he turned over tables. We take, again, where Jesus said, go out and love people, but if they don't accept you, keep stepping. We're not going to save everyone. God hasn't called us to save everyone. He's called us to introduce him to people, and then they have to take a step. You know that old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. We can get people to come through this front door, and we try to create an atmosphere through worship, through everything we do. We try to create an atmosphere that's easy for people to meet Jesus. And that's it. Because if we can get them to meet Jesus, then we've done our job. But if we're creating so many distractions and so many other things going on and there's chaos constantly, we're actually detracting from Jesus because everything is focused on something else. So when we come to church, we should come to church to minister to God. Why? Because he deserves it. I don't come to church to get what I can out of it. I truly don't, and I, none of us should. Because as I was talking with Christy this afternoon, actually, after I just got back, because I've been home a total of now 18 hours in the last two weeks. Christy and I got a few minutes to sit and talk today about this thought process and how we're so busy and we want to have all this knowledge. Should we have another Bible study? No, we have enough knowledge. Here's an idea. Go do what you just studied. I told you I was going to challenge you tonight. We've got enough biblical knowledge, or most people do. We've got to quit worrying about getting into this group of people and studying more and more and more and more and never going out and doing what it's telling us to do. The, our study of the Word is, about, is to go out and then do what it just told us. If all I'm doing is sitting here and reading the Word, and there's, don't hear me wrong, read the Word. Study. It says, study to show thyself approved. That's what his word says. So, yes, go with that. Don't listen to me on that point if you're hearing that. But he's saying, go and make disciples. Go to men of all nations. Go and save the one. 
You know, everything Jesus did, everything Paul did, everything all the martyrs did of the disciples, and everything they were always doing was about stepping out of their comfort zone to reach people. But we want to get comfortable in our building because now we have, you know, we have this beautiful place we can meet, and so now we can be comfortable in here while it's cold outside. Well, what would happen if, and this message is to us tonight, what would happen if we went out into the cold? Does it change Jesus? Not a bit. He's still the same. Our next step as we, we can continue to walk through this is the hardest step you're ever going to take, and that's the reason why we've come to Jesus when we ask him to be our Savior. In return, he's asking for our lives. He's not asking for us to show up on Sunday night or Sunday morning. He's saying, I want all of you. I gave all of myself on a cross. Can't you give me that? And to me, that's just the normal, as Romans 12 says, that's just your reasonable act of service is to give over totally to God. And so as we talk about this customized Christianity that Christianity has turned into, we, we tend to believe in God. And there's like, what, 94% of people who say they believe in God or a higher being. Okay? So that, that sounds like a good thing until you look at our culture. Is our culture a representation of the God of the Bible? Or is it pretty selfish? Is it about me? You know, Craig Rochelle wrote a book years ago that I read, Christian Atheist. Believing God exists, but living like he doesn't. And he challenges us in that book to quit living like we have faith, but never take a step of faith. He challenges us to get out of our comfort zone and not only say we believe in God, but actually start doing what his word says. Because I, I heard this a lot and, and, it, and it punched me in my face. <laughs> well, that's just the way he is. He, you know, they're just like that. Have you ever heard that or said that about somebody? That's just the way they are. They've always been like that. Jesus won't leave you that way. He's going to try to make you, God's going to try to make you, the Father's going to try to make you like his son when we surrender. So I don't get that excuse. That's just the way I am. Emil know me when I first got saved. Hopefully he thinks I'm a little better than a guy than I was then. Um, <laughs> but I'm still intense. Why? Because I serve a great God. And so I get a tad bit intense when it comes to following Jesus. Am I wrong? Maybe. But God gets to deal with that. And from what I've read in his word, the early disciples all died. You know, we talk about having to wear a mask at church and we think we're being persecuted. When the last time, any time, you guys got threatened to be hung on a cross, upside down. Your head was going to get taken off. We're not persecuted. We're whiners. Is that okay to say? Many of us are so busy running, trying to run through life and trying to figure things out. We're trying to find the answers to questions that were never asked. We get frustrated and fatigued, and, and it seems like all the work we're doing, nothing ever seems to happen. And we try to do faith. 
We think if I do this, if I pray, how many, oh, good golly. How many of you guys ever went to a, a healing conference and then tried to pray just like them when you went back for, to pray for somebody for healing? The magic must be in the words that were said. And so even in the Bible we read, well, Peter and John looked at this dude and said, we have, gold and silver have we none, just stand up and walk. And they grab his hand and walk. So we think that's the, that's the, that's the key right there. I got nothing but Jesus, so just stand up and walk. So, so we'll pray that. We try to repeat things instead of just follow Jesus. There is no magic key to any of this. God's called you to just follow Jesus. That's it. Not like me, not like Sean, not like Linda or Adam or any, any of you guys here. God hasn't called you, any one of you to act like us. Thankfully, none of you have to act like me. I'm just honest on that one. Because I think one's more than enough. Um, and and I'm, still, I'm still being changed every day. And if you remember back to the Star Wars movie, the original three, when it was still good, Yoda's looking at Luke, and Luke says, I'm trying, whining. And that's what we do with our faith. I'm trying, God, to make it. And he, I think he's looking at us like, do or do not, no try. Just do your faith. Or don't do it. I mean, Jesus even talked about that in Revelation. He said, some of you are hot, some of you are cold. You guys are just lukewarm. I'm going to spit you out my mouth. Why is lukewarm a big deal? Because you have just enough knowledge to know better, but not enough wisdom to do anything with it. Well, that was good. That wasn't even in my notes. Somebody write that down so I remember that one later. See, we got to stop trying and stop acting like a Christian and just follow Jesus. And guess what Jesus does is he takes us, changes us, and we become more like his son and we don't have to try to do it. It's just who we are. It's kind of like what we've talked about before, you know. For me to, to go up and, and, again, pretty much everybody I talk to on my whole trip out to Idaho and Washington and back, if I talk to them for a couple minutes, you know, somehow Jesus had to be brought into it. I counseled with some people out when I was out there, and I just watched and seen what God did. And that's where some of this message came from. Is Romans 6.6, 6, and this is the main verse that, that kind of encompasses what I'm talking about. He says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So that's why I can't use the excuse, well, I've always been that way. Because my old self was crucified with Jesus when I came to him. When I accepted him as my savior, my old sinful nature died. It's a picture of baptism. When we talk about baptism, and you go down, and it talks about, and you go down into the water, your old self, you come up a new creation in Christ. See, what I think is happening is in the church, we've created and presented a gospel that's different than the one Jesus preached. We've created a great grace gospel. Whatever happened to the God of judgment? Because if we take grace without the judgment side, we only get a half a picture of who God is. We need both to get a full view of a father. And that's what God is, is a father who will punish us when we do things wrong and love us even though we did. And so we need both pieces of that. 
We teach in church, if you just say a prayer, everything's going to be okay. Most times, I'm just going to warn you now, if none of you accept Jesus here tonight or none of you online, and you're going to do this tonight with us, your life's going to get more messed up. Why? Because you've got to take the junk away first. You've got to take the junk out your life so he can start making you into the image of his son. See, I said it before, and it's still one of my favorite sayings. God isn't a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. So when we come to the Father, he doesn't say, okay, go try it again. He said, I've made you new in my son. And so we don't have to hang on to that baggage. We don't have to hang on to that junk that's held us back. We don't have to hang on to the lies that the enemy's bound to tell you. You walk out of here tonight and you make a commitment to something tonight that I'm talking about or the Holy Spirit's talking to you about something tonight and you say, yeah, yeah, God, I need to work on this. I need to change this. Jesus, help me change this. I guarantee the minute you walk out the front door and you may not make it to the front door, the enemy's going to challenge you on that because that's what he does. Tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, I will get in my truck and I will drive down to my mom's because the enemy will lie to me on Monday mornings that Sundays were either were horrible or really good. So I'm either going to be prideful or shameful. So I get in my car, so I got nothing except cornfields, and it's just me and God talking. We got in the car coming back here. Me and Michael did. Michael was with me when we went out there, and we drove from Idaho to almost, almost to Bismarck. No radio, nothing else on. We didn't talk. We just stared out into the vast of nothingness with a lot of wind and hey there's still tumbleweeds by the way because a couple of those went flying across the road at us and I just talked with God God wants an intimate relationship with you the father wants intimacy with you he gave you an opportunity to have that intimacy when Jesus came and died on the cross for you all we have to do is open up our hands and receive it now, salvation has nothing to do with works. Nothing. Our salvation came from Christ alone on the cross. That is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the next step after salvation. And that's where James says, you know, you show me your works by, you know, your faith by, your works by your faith, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And he goes through all that, and it all confuses you all if you read it in the King James Version, because then it's faith that doeth this, worketh. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, I think, kind of sums up our culture today and our Christianity today and what's going on in our world and why we have an enemy whose job is to lie, cheat, kill, steal, and destroy, create division. Well, guess what our culture is doing right now is trying to create division even in the church, which is what makes this so great, Dave. Thank you for letting us join here. Is this church is, we're uniting. We're not dividing. Now, we may preach different. We may talk about different doctrines, but we got the doctrine of Jesus Christ on the cross. His blood covers our sins. We are made new in him. Anything other than that, we joke about. Because we can. Because we're brothers. And 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, but, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. 
For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossip, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, he goes on to say. So there's a long list of things. But here's the question for you. Who was that letter written to? Believers. It was written to Timothy. What if that letter was written to us? We're so arrogant in what we think we believe that we have it all figured out. God said, you only got a, you ain't, you got a little inkling of what I got. We got to remember, the word of God was given to those who believe. Why? To introduce Jesus to people. And so again, we go through this list of things. And as I went through this list, the greatest evidence of your love of God is obedience to God. So we can't just say we have faith. We got to do what he says. Isn't that as kids what we do for our parents because we love them? We're obedient. Now when we're disobedient, what do our parents do? They don't spake us because that's bad. Facebook people. They punish us, right? Well, we can't get angry with God when he does that to us when we're being disobedient, can we? Because again, if we're reckless, we're conceited, we have, we're without self-control, we talk about other people, which is what gossips are, we hold a form of godliness, we show up on Sunday morning, but we deny its power when we walk out the door. We live like we want to live. We've added God to our lives without surrendering our lives. And God is asking us to surrender. Because in our, <laughs> I wrote down another statement, in our cafeteria Christianity, we like to pick and choose what we want. God will take a little of this, a whole bunch of this blessing, none of this. Uh-uh, I don't want to get punished for that. You know, we'll just slide that one to the side. I don't want to pay for that one. And so we pick and choose what we want out of the Bible. You know, we, we, read, we read story, and, well, I, you know, you shouldn't have sex before marriage. I'm just using that one. If it makes somebody uncomfortable, I apologize. It's just the first one that popped into my head. You shouldn't have sex before marriage. You will have people argue that that's outdated, that's just, that's too long ago. Well, I'm pretty sure the God, my God that I read about in the Bible hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he said it's wrong, it's still wrong today. And so we live. Let's just, real quick, you don't have to jump here. I'm going to jump here to Psalm 119. And I'm going to go to verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? I'm going to give you young men, which anybody my age and younger. Okay, 
young man, keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word. This is what David wrote. How do I keep my heart pure? I study your word, I get into your word, and I live by your word. That's how I stay pure. Not by what the news tells me, not by what Hollywood tells me. They can't stay married for more than six months. Why would you take relationship advice from them? Think about it. He goes on to say, With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. I mean, we have the keys to everything right here. But we get so bent out of shape because we read something we don't like. And so we throw that one away. That's not how, that's not how this faith walk works. We either believe God is who he says he is or we don't. We don't get an option in it. He's not going to change because I don't like it. And this is why I say this convicted me as well. Because there are things that I think I'm doing or that I think I do that are okay. And as I read his word and the spirit kind of prompts me, and I'm like, really? And so I have to change. And I'm not going to tell you what those are because they're different for everybody. And we've talked about that before. But I am going to listen to what God's telling me. Just like I'm asking you guys to listen to what God is telling you. Get into his word. Let him tell you what truth is. I watched Louis Giglio make a, make a, have a, he gave a sermon one time, and I, I, I loved the thought process of the lukewarm thought process. It's, here's culture today. We have people who don't believe in God. Don't, there's not, God's not true. There's nothing about him. We have people who are on fire for God and believe he is God. And then you have a majority of people who want to live in this middle gray area. And what he said in his message, and what I really liked about it, is he goes, I want to shrink that gray area so you're either hot or you're cold. Because Jesus said, lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. Are you guys ready to get on fire for Jesus? Or do you want to stay in this lukewarm spot and take a chance? Because ain't none of us guaranteed tomorrow. I surely don't want to get to heaven tomorrow when I had a chance to be on fire today. And Jesus said, you were lukewarm. Get away from me, I didn't know you. I mean, think, think, these are things Jesus said. We prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. We showed up on Sunday in your name. And he's going to look at him and say, I, I didn't even know you. Get away from me. That was the very first verse that just knocked me to the ground and said, it's all about a relationship with Jesus. It's not anything I do. Now, does he want to do great things through you? Yes. I can say that emphatically and truthfully because that's what his word says. But more than anything, he just wants you. That's it. If you go into John 14, 12 through 15, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, or if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. But here's the key to that whole thing. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
See, it, it, it's not that vending machine, Jesus. You know, Pastor Kevin, I, I know you remember him, Sean. He was a youth pastor in, in St. Cloud, and I loved it because he gave this great message, how we always say in Jesus' name at the end of prayer. And he did it because he's a Western type of guy. He did it like a six-shooter sermon thing. He goes, this is how we do. God, watch over my family in Jesus' name. Because we always throw that after, and that's the key. You've got to have to have that at the end of the mess, at the end of any prayer. In Jesus' name, we pull it out. Okay, Jesus is going to bless it now. God, give me a new job in Jesus' name. We use in Jesus' name, but he says, if you want to use my name, guess what? You have to, if you're going to love me, you got to keep my commandments. Now, there is power in the name of Jesus. I truly believe that, and I truly believe he changes lives, and I truly believe he still heals today. But I truly believe if he's going to use me, I have to obey his commandments. It's not about me just showing up. Psalm 36, 1 and 2 says it's this way. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. And this is what I'm warning you guys about tonight. If you guys walk out of here tonight and you're ready to do something for Jesus, understand, sin is going to whisper in your ear tonight when you walk out. You've said that before. Nothing's ever changed. You promised to read your Bible more before. You know you ain't going to do it. Some of you are going to argue with your spouse on the way home tonight. That's why me and Christy come separately. See, I've given you guys some marriage advice. Um, <laughs> actually, we didn't. We rode together tonight. <laughs> Sorry. Sin, sin will whisper to you, go ahead. God's going to forgive you anyways. How many of you use that one? Oh, it's okay. God's going to forgive me. I'm under grace. I can do whatever I want. Well, Paul kind of gave us a warning on that one. He says, everything's legal, but not everything's profitable. So you can do whatever you want, but understand there's consequences for those choices. But sin will tell you it's not that bad because God's going to forgive you anyways. You know, it's just a little thing. God will forgive you for it. What if you don't? Why take a chance? Why even let sin crowd? In fact, the story in the Old Testament with Esau, or Cain and Abel, actually, sorry, Cain and Abel. Sin's crouching at your door, God tells him. Sin isn't this big, ugly thing. It comes wrapped a lot of times in a pretty package that doesn't seem that bad. I've told, I've told my, all my kids and Christy, God's favor will open doors that sometimes you shouldn't walk through. And what I mean by that is not every door that opens is God opening it. It could be the enemy opening it to tempt you with something. So you got to make sure you're plugged in. You got to make sure you're reading. You got to make sure you're counseling. You got to make sure you're talking to God. You're talking to other godly people. Because not always doors that open up are from God. And it's probably how I ended here versus somewhere else. Through counsel. I counseled with Emo. I counseled with our district. I counseled with other pastors. Because there were other doors. God will guide you in the direction he wants you to go. So don't think just because something seems like a good deal that it's God blessing you with it. Now, can God use it? Yes. I'm not saying he can't. But I'm saying make sure you're staying connected to the vine. Make sure you're staying connected to Jesus when you're asking about this stuff. 
We sometimes will use the excuse that everyone's doing it, so I might as well. We justify our behavior saying, well, I'm not as bad as that person. I don't do that. Here's one of my favorites that I've actually heard recently. You can believe in God, just don't go overboard. I know, can you believe someone said that to me? I'm overboard apparently following God. Well, I, I would rather be overboard with Jesus than under the water without him. I remember Peter walked on water with Jesus, so I'm okay going overboard. When we talk about Jesus and the Father, we have to remember both sides. See, when, when the Bible's talking about the fear of God, and this is where I'm going to kind of wrap, start wrapping it up, we remember that God is a God of judgment and, he, and he's a God of grace. But when we read about the fear of the Lord, we need to understand it's loving God plus respecting God. Understand he is a father that will invite us onto his lap, but he will also smack us on our behind if we're bad. Because he has to. Because he's a loving father. I don't know any loving father that doesn't try to direct their kids when they're, when they're leading themselves to danger. How about if I explain it this way? Maybe this will make a little more sense. The fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again to obey God. See, the fear of the Lord is a heart attitude. I'm going to choose to obey over everything else. I'm going to choose to follow God. And it's ongoing. It's not just an instantaneous decision we make to follow Jesus. It's a lifestyle. We've talked about it many times. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not some music we play. Everything we do with following Jesus is ongoing. It's constantly growing. It's constantly moving. It's constantly going forward. Because the posture of my heart surrendered to God moves me to choose him. Over and over again, we have to obey God. I'm not talking about customizing our Christianity anymore. I'm talking about going sold out, all in, on fire for Jesus. And I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. But we, we, we all have a next level that God wants to take us to. I'm talking about being fully submitted, wholly surrendered, wholly devoted to Jesus. Because Jesus said, I value you enough to die on a cross for you. Can you love me back? Because he did it while we were yet sinners. Because when we truly fear God, we're going to serve him unconditionally. Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 17 through 20 and 23 says it this way. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according... This is what got me this week. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So that's Jesus telling me, he's going to look at what I do, but also what I don't do. When he prompts me to talk to somebody and I choose not to, 
He's going to look at me for that and ask me why. When God said, I gave you this opportunity to help this person and you chose not to, he says, I'm going to reward you according to what you do. Did you obey me? So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he has been revealed for your sake. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will end quickly. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. Thank you. We need a hallelujah on that one. We need an amen. We need a thank you, Jesus. Something. Because he said, guess what? You're a temporary resident in this world. Don't matter what anybody else says about you. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. You are a temporary resident here just passing through, getting to your kingdom that God's established for you in Jesus. Okay, maybe I get a little too excited about that. I forgot I'm back in Minnesota nice. Jesus gave you eternal life and all you have to do is receive it. You can do nothing to get it except go to the cross and say, remember me. You don't even have to throw it in Jesus' name at the end of it. Just say, I accept your free gift of forgiveness. I will choose to obey you. I will choose to become obedient to you. I will choose to follow you. I won't try to decide how that looks. I'm just going to get into your word and follow you the way you say I should. Christianity in today's culture it's normal to live like everyone else. Jesus called you out of darkness into his wonderful light to bring light to the world. He didn't call you to live like everyone else. He called you to live for him. And that's what we need to try to do every day. And that's why I said, even with everything that was going on, even with me not being here. And I struggled with some things. It always came back to that. Are you picking and choosing how you want to follow me? Are you going to follow me? Jesus looked at his disciples, and this is what he's saying to some of you tonight. He looked at the first disciples, those longshoremen, those fishermen, those people nobody would want to talk to, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They didn't take a vote. They got up and followed. That's what Jesus is asking us tonight. Are we willing to lay down what we think is best? Because he's saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
follow me and I will give you peace beyond understanding. He's saying, follow me, I will give you a joy you never knew you could have. If you follow me, I will heal your brokenness. See, each one can be different to each one of us because we all are at different stages in life. But he's calling us individually to his body. We all want to do our best. We all believe in the fear of the Lord. But what I want to challenge you with tonight is can you walk out of here and live it? Can this not just be a message that you listened to and walked away from, but it's one that the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of your heart and says, I want to make a difference. I want to follow you with everything I am because of who you are, not because of what I get out of it. In a covenant relationship in the Bible, as it talks about and as marriage is talked about in the Bible, it's not about what the other person gets. It's what can I give. And that's why I said when we come to church, it's not about what do I get from God. It's can I give back to him. And so tonight, we're going to take a couple minutes here. It's already 7.02, I apologize. We're going to take a couple minutes, and I just want you to spend some time praying. There's an area in your life that you know you need help with. Surrender it to him tonight and say, I'm going to do my darndest to be obedient in that area. You're going to let go of pain. You're going to let go of offense because we can't follow Jesus hanging on to anchors of sin and shame and guilt. It'll hold you back. I want you guys to live with freedom in Jesus.